Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Customers Who Click podcast. Uh, we're back with another topic that I feel really strongly about. And while a lot of businesses are doing this, not many are doing it to its full potential. But before I tell you what it is, just one quick favour. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please do rate it on iTunes. It's super helpful and helps me uh, reach more people. But back to today's topic, uh, it's reviews and social proof. And with me, I've got Callum McKeefrey, the founder of Reviews.io. It's one of the best review platforms out there, and you'll learn a little bit more about it during the episode. But the bulk is about how businesses should be collecting reviews and how you can get the most value from them. Let's get Callum on to explain how. Hi, Callum. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, if you could tell us a bit about yourself, your, a bit of your background and, uh, and why you started the business. Yeah, thanks for having me, Will. Um, my background, it's a bit interesting, really. I came from an entrepreneurial family. My dad ran nightclubs and my mum was a hairdresser. They were both entrepreneurs, kind of in the high street. Oh, sorry. Um, and I went to business school, came out of business school, um, set up a web development company, Dot com crash came and it pretty much completely uh, wiped me out and left me with a lot of unpaid bills um, that we had outstanding from our, you know jobs that we were working on um, and that kind of pushed me to go to more towards more building products instead of being an agency so in the original dot com crash that was kind of where I sort of forged my steel really I suppose um, we had a bit of a we, I developed a price comparison platform and that did very well for a long time and then unfortunately Google algorithms changed and price comparison sites got negatively affected and I kind of had a choice I could either get closer to Google or leave leave the internet altogether at the time I think that was pretty much the choice I took and I decided to get closer to Google with providing our reviews that we were collecting into Google seller ratings. And that's really what basically brought us to today, really the, the solution we have now, which is reviews.io. And yeah, it, it, it's a good solution. We've got 6,000 uh, clients across UK, uh, Southern California, Sydney, and Berlin. All right. Well, well that's great. So yeah, you've managed to grow that pretty well. Must be pretty exciting having uh, international offices as well. Yeah, we've we've really grown out of our UK headquarters. I spend most of my time between uh, Orange County and our Leicester HQ. I've not actually been out to Sydney yet. Our uh, COO is out there, and our one of our sales directors is out in Sydney. Um, and they've done a fantastic job setting up that that location. Yeah, it, it, it's really good fun, really exciting. I didn't have international success the first time I tried. It took me a couple of times of trying to get a successful formula to go into these other um, markets. But now I think we've got a playbook and, it, and it's working quite well. Well, that's great. Yeah, well, congratulations. So let's, let's talk about reviews then. Um, I guess, do you want to just give us a bit of a, I guess, a basic overview really of uh why reviews are important to businesses, why they should be collecting them, and how, how they actually should, should be using them properly. So online businesses now, it's all about trust. People, you know, trust increases conversion. Most unsuccessful online businesses for the last, you know, really since the dawn of the internet have been built 
based off trust. You look at eBay, Amazon, um, Airbnb, um, all of these platforms really have a, a review element to them. So they're building, they're all building trust. And what we've done is built a platform so that smaller e-commerce companies can actually collect reviews from their customers, publish the reviews on their site, publish the reviews on social media, and actually build trust at scale. Um, and that in turn increases their conversion. We've, you know, some of our clients have seen absolutely dramatic results from collecting feedback from their, their customers. And it, it really doesn't end at collecting the review or publishing the review. We're getting a little bit, the, as the platform has matured, we're getting clever about now about how we use that data and what data points um, businesses can use to actually improve. So we're understanding now metrics about delivery, metrics about customer service, even customer service touch points. If a certain touch point has happened, um, what that, the, our, our platform will have an understanding of what effect that will have on the review that's being collected. So it's all about trust. Uh, the more the the wider online shopping community trusts your brand, the more business you're going to do. So it really does affect the bottom line quite quickly. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, uh, you know, eBay, eBay is kind of the first one that springs to mind for me where you had the, uh, it's, it's just like a positive and negative accelerating, isn't it? Yeah. That you yeah. give rather than a star rating. And um, everyone really took that on. I mean, look at Uber, look at Lyft. You know, these guys really did a great job with reviews. Yeah, I mean, Uber, Uber, Uber rating is something that pops up all the time. You know, people want to claim that they've got a five-star rating yeah, or, or just, you know, four-point something quite high. Um, yeah. And on Amazon, it's super important as well. Um, and now Amazon have even gone as far as, and I think uh, a lot, quite a few platforms do this now, actually, but putting that verified purchase tag on it as well. That, that's massively important, having that verified purchaser um, tag is really essential now. It's not, it's not a nicety. You need verified reviews. You need your potential customers need to be able to trust the review. And that's something that we're passionate about. Um, review fraud is a problem in this space. And we're doing combating that. I mean, one of the teams within our business, which is our fraud and um, privacy uh, team, they are currently working on a solution which is like understanding how who the reviewer is based off how they interact with their keyboard so keyboard biometrics so how long they hold their buttons on each keys and how quick they type and that actually creates almost like a dna of the reviewer um, just based off their their keystrokes and you wouldn't believe the amount of fraud this system's uh, identified. And, and it's just, we're always trying to think of how we can stop fraud and build more trust. And I think that's what that verified reviewer badge does. And why they're, you know, they're important it, it, because what we've done is we're asking for that review after the purchase. So it's not just a person just coming on and, maybe not even inter interacted with that brand or that product uh, reviewing. That's the worst thing 
uh, we've seen in the industry. And that's why Amazon's getting a bit of a bad rap at the minute. Yeah, because they allow anybody to go on and review. And really, Amazon shouldn't do that. They should only collect verified reviews. They're big enough to do that. Yeah, I mean, there's not really, it doesn't feel like there's an excuse for not being able to verify that, um, yeah. especially when they, they know and they are aware of, of fraud happening. You know, yeah. it's, it's come up in the news several times how they've cleared like hundreds of thousands, probably millions of fake reviews. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, their fraud detection must be not the best. I mean, they're pretty easy to spot. Fake reviews, some are very difficult. And you have to go, you know, do some clever things like the, the biometric keystroke um, identification. But the basic fraud detection things like IP tracking, device tracking and stuff like that are, are inviting an actual per- person who's actually made a purchase and had an experience instead of just waiting for people to go on and leave reviews. These unverified reviews are the ones generally that are fake and damaging the industry. Um, we're quite passionate about making sure that all of our reviews are genuine. I guess on those lines as well, then, you know, obviously when I think, well, when I think about kind of review fraud, I'm thinking of reviews that are five star and just, you know, people getting hundreds, if not thousands of five star reviews on a product to you know, rank it highly and, and make it look uh, stand out um, against yeah. the, the competition. But what are your thoughts on, on reviews that are negative but are actually a – so that they have been a customer, but they're reviewing for almost for the wrong reason? You know, the review is not related to the product or service that's actually offered. It's yeah. someone who's just really unhappy for some other reason and has decided to take it out. Yeah, that's always a real tricky space. I mean, you've got to have some level of guidelines around and this, um, if it's a product review, the, the review that's being written has to be relevant to that product. Else, really, it, it should be t- taken off that product. And if it's a negative review, and really it's nothing to do with that company, then again, it, it's not relevant and should be removed. But it should come under our moder- moderation policy and can be flagged for removal. Now, where negative reviews, you know, it gets a bit tricky is that, that there's certain companies out there now who are actually interacting with businesses basically just to write a, a negative review. So they're an actual real customer of that company and they're, they're going out and writing a negative review just because they've been asked to or because they're a competitor. And that's, that's really bad. Um, we really frown upon it. Um, but Again, it's quite easy to identify if you've got the right systems in place. Um, negative reviews, although they can be a bit challenging and a bit stressful for business owners and operators and teams, they, as long as they're constructive criticism, you know, you should take them on the chin and, and actually learn from them. You know, I, negative reviews are one of the best assets a business can get almost i think they're more important than another five star review in many cases yeah no i, I completely agree with that uh, i i think a lot of the time the you get a lot of positive reviews which are pretty much just five star cool great really loved it you will get you do get the detailed ones but it does tend to be uh, negative reviews that go into more detail on why they're unhappy 
and that yeah. is that that brilliant opportunity for you to say right we need to fix that we now know exactly what we need to fix um or you can look at it and go well all right we know what this one customer's problem was it was a bit of an edge case yeah how, how, how can we mitigate that in the future to make sure no one else has that problem but um just not something massive to worry about um, i think as long as they're revo- um replying to those negatives i think that's the key in, in the way they're replying doing it in a, in a timely fashion and showing other customers that actually when something does go wrong they take ownership and they try and resolve it and if they do that you, you know companies that, that do respond to negative reviews and do handle negatives well do learn from them improve their operation from them they're the companies that are super successful yeah absolutely uh, i think the one that bothers me the most uh, not not as a uh, as the marketer but actually uh, when i come across these reviews as a customer and i filter for one star reviews just to see what kind of big issues people have had yeah and and, and you see that i suppose it is is actually as a marketer given what i'm about to say but it's those one star reviews that actually the comment is everything was great yeah and you think this person's just clicked the wrong star somehow. <laughs> yeah, we do get that. And so, um, yeah, I guess that must be frustrating because I'm yeah. guessing it still negatively impacts your, your score. Yeah, so we have a kind of system as well to, to handle that. Um, so our sentiment analysis algorithm will, will see that it's a happy comment but an unhappy score. And then it'll advise the client are, are you know these e-commerce companies then to reach out to that um customer and ask them to just revise their score and you can literally just click one button within the dashboard and it will send them an email saying hi um would you like to revise your score currently it's one star and invariably they all get changed i i don't know of many that don't get changed like that but they do happen they do yeah. happen yeah oh okay that's good yeah so i didn't know about that the ability yeah. to do that but um so are there do you, do you find there are any common maybe common myths or misconceptions about using customer reviews and, and gathering them as a business i think the the biggest common myth that obviously that we just covered really was that negatives are bad for your business which they're completely not um we come across some e-commerce companies that are a bit precious and feel that you know we they're almost scared to collect reviews because they don't want the bad feedback or they don't want feedback. Um, and that's probably the scariest, scariest thing. And then another one is that some companies say, oh, well, nobody will review our product, you know, that we're selling. Maybe it's a, I mean, a funny one that I had the other day were boat covers and it was from a, a company that makes custom-made boat covers in, in U.S., and they said, oh, nobody will review these products. You know, they were quite adamant about that. And I said, give us a try. Let's see what we can do. And within a couple of days, they had 400 product reviews. They couldn't believe it. Oh, wow. So anybody, any product will collect review feedback. Um, and you find my, my probably the misconception is that incentivizing feedback, incentivizing reviews, doesn't actually increase the number of reviews or the quality of reviews left. That's a big one. Yeah, I think um, 
Yeah, I'm not a fan of incentivizing because yeah, you it kind of gives you an artificial score, doesn't it? You know, so, some people will go and give you a five star review to get whatever reward you've offered. Some people, if you haven't been too smart about it, will give you whatever review they fancy and then say, yeah. "Well, I, did, I gave you the review, so now you need to cough up." Um, yeah. But yeah, it just doesn't. It's not it, building that relationship it, and that engagement with the customer either. It doesn't make them feel. It doesn't make them go, "Oh yeah, you're right. I did love that product. I'll, I'll go." That's one hundred percent right. That's it. People, you you really shouldn't incentivize for reviews um, because it, it lowers trust from your current customer base. If you're telling every single one of your customer base, "Write as a review, and we'll give you fifteen percent off your next purchase." Everybody, next time they go to make a purchase and read that review, they're going to go, "Oh." Did this guy leave it off his own back or was he doing it to get the it discount? And it, and it lowers the lowers the value of the review, in my opinion. And, and it doesn't work. We've proven time and time again that incentivizing actually doesn't increase the conversion. People write reviews because they've had an experience. And if you ask at the right time, in the right way, people are happy to leave reviews. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I've always thought of and kind of used a couple of times. It would be good to hear what you think of this. Um, sending out an email to ask people how they feel, um, but if they answer positively, sending them to, through to the review platform to leave a review, but if they give a negative response, uh, yeah, asking them to leave feedback instead, and that feedback obviously comes to the yeah. business. So, yeah, uh, kind of a loop. So It, it is kind of a way kind of... of- gaming the system a little bit yeah yeah, it's called we we call it gatewaying so you're kind of gatewaying you're choosing which path your your customers take now i don't agree with gatewaying at all i think that you that's not what your customers want customers are savvy now and they know if they click one star and you send them to a complaint thing they know that their complaint is you know, is not going to be heard the same way as if they had a great comment to say. So what invariably happens there, you end up getting the complaint, but also the next thing that customer does is now go on the platform to write a negative review anyway. So you're actually, or they'll go on to another platform that you're not working with or not looking at, and you actually end up, the negative review sort of goes out of your control. Although even you've got the complaint, you're just creating work for yourself almost. It it sounds like a brilliant idea to start with, um, but I've seen it go wrong multiple times. Um, Google doesn't like it. Um, I don't know any any really good platform that actually advocates for gatewaying, really. Um, You know, it's just not a trusted way. And And ultimately, you're collecting reviews to build trust. So work on your business. And, and get your get your business up up to a, a high standard rather than kind of sneakily tricking your customers into going one way or another um but yeah it, it is done some big massive companies do it i mean we, we i come across some monster companies that are doing this but i don't um i don't advocate for it. i don't kind of agree with it okay yeah fair enough i mean i think yeah my view is kind of if you are genuinely going to respond to those complaints and use that feedback to improve, I can mm. see, you know, I, I think it's a, 
it's something that I, I don't see an issue with it. Um, but what I wouldn't be saying is basically red hot on jumping yeah. on that complaint. You've yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not suggesting. Yeah, almost like tricking that person into not leaving a review by making them think yeah. they have given that feedback and it's going to be dealt with. No, it would absolutely yeah. be for the purpose of dealing with that feedback, uh, dealing with the yeah. complaint, but also making sure the company actually takes that feedback in and and improves around so, that. Interestingly, Google's new guidelines, which are coming out, the new Google Seller Ratings, actually, um, the the... The, the Google Seller Ratings um, partners, so that's in the UK, that's uh, Reviews.io, me, FIFO, Trustpilot, um, and a few of the others, Ecomi and, and Yotpo. We've, we have to agree with Google now not to do that in any way. So, any, you know, you're not, meant, you're not allowed to gateway in any way um, for those reviews to be allowed into Google Seller Ratings. So... They're, Google's frowning on it. Um, I know Yelp already frown on it quite badly. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it'll become less and less um, used, a tactic used uh, over the coming months. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so if, if a business wanted to start, you know, really focusing on reviews, uh, what, are, what are a few of the things they need to be considering? So if a business is starting out, pretty much they've got, if, if they're, let's say they're a standard e-commerce company, I'd always t- say to any, any new startup um, to collect company reviews first. So that's reviews on their business, how they operate, how they deliver, how their customer services. Collect company reviews first. And then once you've got a good number of company reviews and if you've collected them with one of the seller ratings partners, then you'll get little gold stars, seller ratings, little gold stars next to your ads in um, Google. And that will increase your conversion, lower your AdWords costs, and actually make your marketing perform a little, little bit better. Now, once you've got a hundred or so company reviews, I'd recommend then that e-commerce then to start looking at product reviews product reviews make a huge difference to your conversion when customers are actually on your products but to start off with focus on company reviews then bounce into uh product reviews my biggest war not warning but my biggest tip to any uh e-com especially because of the turbulent times we're living in is don't you know try and limit the number of um long-term contracts you're signing um especially with review companies because they're changing all the time the platforms are changing really fast and a feature that you need today might not be there tomorrow and it might be with another provider but if that provider has locked you into a 12-month contract it can be pretty tricky to get out of them um so if you're going to choose a provider um choose somebody who's not doing 12 month long restrictive contracts. That's, that's good advice. That's quite, uh, you know, good, honest advice there. What about in, in terms of gathering reviews? Would you say there are any, any important tips to, for, for actually gathering those reviews? Yeah, definitely. Um, the biggest tip that I can recommend is one, if you're going to collect a review via email, make sure your title is on point. So it's short, 
it's concise. Um, you're not asking for anything else within the email. So you're not asking for a Instagram follow or you've not got cross sells in your review collection email. You're really sending that email with one target and that is to collect a review. Keep the email short that you're sending out and get the timing right. So if timing is one of the most important factors for conversion on, if you're sending a review out and collecting a review, you have a, a conversion number. So normally most of our clients collect anywhere between 7% and 14% conversion. That means 14% of their customers will leave them a review. Um, the best way to increase your conversion is to get your timing right. So we advise all of our e-coms at the start to ask a day or two after delivery, or even in some cases as the, just after delivery. So if they're using a, a, a courier provider that sends data back via an API, that will trigger the review request. What we're trying to find with the timing is to find somebody's happy time. When is your client most excited and most likely to not, not just leave you a good review, but actually leave you a good quality review. And so they're leaving a photo with their review or a video with their review. The quality is great. That's what we're going for. And getting the timing right on how, when you ask for that review is super important. So timing is everything um, with collecting good quality reviews. Yeah, definitely. I think um, you want to catch people when I suppose they're happiest and most excited about it as yeah. well. Um, yeah. And not, not you know, a month later. No, it's quite funny. Like we, we were doing a furniture company and we were doing like the day after. Um, it's all trial and error. Timing is all about trial and error. So we were collecting the review a day after the, um, the, the, the item was delivered. And then we actually extended it to be like three or four days after the item was delivered. And actually by extending it, we now just didn't get a, a verbatim review. We actually got a photo of what that sofa looked like in their house as well. So the quality actually went up by asking at a different time. It didn't affect conversion, but actually it affected quality. So, yeah, it, you, you get different things, you know. It, it, we had a thing with a scooter company as well where they, by extending it by 24 hours, we were getting more videos of people using their scooters because they'd been out and they'd done a video for their friends or for Instagram and they were, they're not loading that when they were writing a review. So it's like getting, getting the timing right so the quality goes up as well as the conversion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great tip there. Um, so what are, what are the mistakes companies make? I suppose excluding like gatewaying and stuff. Yeah, well, I'd stay away from gatewaying. Um, probably, I mean, there's various mistakes. I mean, we had one client that recently asked their past customers to leave a review and they they uploaded their past customer database and they asked people who dealt with them two years ago to then leave them a review which is just way too long. And they got a load of nonsense reviews saying, I don't know who you are, you know, and oh. these people are a scam because they couldn't remember dealing with this company because it was such a long time ago. Um, 
and that ended, ended up them getting quite quite a few negative reviews. So probably that that's not a common mistake, but it's definitely a mistake. Um, not managing your reviews is also a mistake. You know, we see companies that take on a solution, take on a review solution, whether it's ours or somebody else, and they get it set up and then don't use that data in their business and they don't go and look at the reviews that are coming in. They don't reply to the negative. So if you are going to collect reviews, making sure, make sure you're managing them. Make sure when you get a good one, you're doing something with it. You're getting it out there on Instagram. You're getting it out there on Facebook and you're, you're making sure that your customers seeing it as much as possible. Yeah, definitely. I think, well, I suppose it's, I guess it's a misconception then really, isn't it? It's people who companies who, who think, all right, we need to get on, reviews.io or Trustpilot or FIFO, yeah. the collection of the view, reviewers as far as they go with it, they might start to see their star rating go up or their or the number of reviews go up and they think, cool, the review platform we've bought is doing its job and that's yeah. it. Yeah, um, that's that's the problem. And yeah, I think, I mean, in a couple of companies I've worked with, um, they, I guess there's been a bit of a lack of ownership over it as well. Um, you know, yeah. it's, does is, is customer service the one who should be responding to everything, how should marketing be involved, uh, who, who should be notified of reviews and, and, and start actioning stuff off that. Um, so I think that probably just a bit of bit of work to do around educating businesses on how, how they need to approach the whole idea of reviews and social proof. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that, you know, kind of I'm working on a lot in trying to work out how can I get, this company, everyone in this company to have full visibility. So now when I go into a larger client, enterprise client, I'm, I'm trying to, re- I'm really pushing them to have boards throughout their business, uh, TVs that are displaying their, their current review score, their NPS score, and showing what, you know, the key reviews that they've had in that day or in that 24-hour period. So then there's this everybody's kind of seeing it all the time. Um, and then the board is kind of flicking between their, their normal analytics and so forth. But so if we can get that data, we, what we're doing, we're passing that data in to these boards via our API. And businesses that are, are, are doing that, that are showing, displaying their reviews throughout the business, are, at, are absolutely doing brilliant because as soon as there's a negative as soon as the conversion drops as soon as they see a video review come in they're on it that they're, they're right let's jump on this let's make that video review now part of our advertising campaign on instagram for the next 24 hours let's let's do stuff with this data that's coming in so the marketing team seeing it the customer service team seeing it the directors are seeing it um and, and literally, this was only a new idea since since lockdown, really, that we spoke to one, it was um, Sports Direct House of Fraser about doing this, and they were they were implementing it when lockdown came, and now they're back in their office. They're, um, it's something that they're, they're now pushing to get back live. But we think it'll have huge effects across the business because all, all departments can see this data as they come in and out of the building. Yeah, it gets gets people a bit more engaged with the customer, doesn't it? Um, they're, they're not just going in to do their job. There's a bit more yeah. of that. But they can see the happiness. They can see the difference that these things are making. Yeah. A fun story about um, 
Sports Direct was that and how how reviews affect a business. So Sports Direct left their account just doing nothing. And the, the, the business is quite straight, funny, really, because they've never they've never asked some. They get some negative reviews, but they get a hell of a lot of positive reviews. And they've never asked to moderate a negative review. And that's quite unusual. Even when it's been a really bad one, they're like, you know what, we'll take it on the chin. They're, they're, they're really honest about that. It's, it's quite a really good thing about the business. And I went into a meeting with them and I uploaded all of these photo reviews that nobody would, because nobody had ownership of the reviews platform within their organization. Um, I uploaded all these photos of the same product broken in the same place and i think it was like a hundred or so times these photos um and it was a mug that basically every time they were delivering this certain mug it would get broken and they was blind to it so they just get a, a damaged product send them a new one damaged product send them a new one and they weren't really picking up on this until I actually uploaded the screen with all these damaged mugs and photos of reviews and they were like oh my gosh this is can be easily fixed all we've got to do is put some more packaging around this mug um and it was just a great way how the the negative reviews they've got actually impacted the business because they could easily now go I can visibly see that now um and I can resolve this issue for everyone um, and it's actually saved the business hundreds of thousands of pounds because it was a big selling product. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a, just a big fan of using it as feedback, uh, to, yeah. to be honest. Um, yeah. you know, the, obviously, you want the, the high star rating and, and the, the high number of reviews. But yeah, once you've yeah. got that, yeah, definitely. Once you've got that, you can then you've got to dig deeper into it and go, you know what, now we can really improve our business off it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what are the big trends that will be coming up in, in reviews and social proof? Big one for me is video. You know, we're doubling down on video. Video's had huge, huge impact it, um, compared to just a normal verbatim text. Video is far more trusted. Um, and it's just a format that... that the, the generation coming through is, is used to, comfortable with, and expects. Um, so video we see being the future uh, of, of review collection and publishing. Um, probably the other thing more to do with business operations is um, understanding touch points throughout the business. So assigning people within a business to that review whether that's the person who printed off the label, whether that's the person who was the delivery driver, whether that's the person who dealt with it at customer service, if you can attach these human beings to this review on the other side, on the company's side, um, businesses can have a better understanding of performance. So that's one of the things that we're working on. Um, and it really excites me because I think that can massively impact how businesses operate and they can see who their rock star performers are and when it, they can see how people are performing within the business, um, not just by their opinion or their manager's line manager's opinion, but actually their customer's opinion. Yeah, definitely. That, yeah, that sounds really interesting, actually. Uh, you know, helping 
companies, I guess, Im- improve their internal processes. Yeah. But outside of that, product-related feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we just it's just touch points, just assign. You know, we it's assigning touch points, and probably the other one is attribution. So if I'm reviewing a pair of trainers, I expect something different from my 15 year old son. Um, so it kind of, we, we, we're going to start looking when we publish products reviews, like personas and affinity with, with, um, these reviews. So when say for instance, a washing machine, uh, the, the attributes of the washing machine, the build quality and X, so forth. Whereas on like a pair of trainers that we sizing and um, support and cushioning. So attributions is going to be a real big thing, I think, in the next 12 months. Okay, yeah, sounds interesting. So with the, yeah, being, being able to give people an idea of what sort of person reviewed this product. Yeah. 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 Um, we, we already do a lot around influencers. So we're bringing, so we are, we identify influencers when they're reviewing and we tell those companies, this person's got a you know big following on Instagram or whatever. And they're, they're, they're an actual brand advocate. Um, and that's something we've been doing for a long time and, you know, really good companies are using that really fast growing e-commerce companies are using that tool because they understand that actually influencers have a massive impact on their their bottom line so if they've got a an influencer who has made a purchase just uh talking to that company person and reaching out to that person and maybe treating them a little bit different in the buying process next time can have a huge effect yeah definitely if you can yeah if you can identify someone's an influencer and they've just purchased you just Finding uh, and maybe an extra way to just uh, follow up with them, check in how their product yeah. was in a, in a bit of a less review our product. Let us know what you thought, but more just yeah. uh, if you had any problems, let us know. Do you need any yeah. more information or help? Kind of almost like, yeah. like an, an outbound customer support. Basically. Exactly. That's that's kind of where it is. Where you you're sort of taking them out of that the normal email funnel of you know, delivery and everything else and you sort of hands on with it. But that's kind of what you, you know, you're going to have to do with these brand advocates, these, these huge brand advocates that have so, so much power. I mean, I wish everybody in the world was equal on, on these platforms, but they're not, you know, like there's some influencers just have such huge, huge power and they're, they're buying from companies on a day-to-day basis, but some of these companies don't know who they are and they're missing an opportunity. So we're trying to close that gap. Yeah, no, that, that, that definitely sounds really interesting, really powerful in the future. Um, and just on the, on the video reviews, um, I know that, yeah, reviews with pictures definitely stand out to me a lot more, not only in that they capture my attention, but also I think, you know, you can, you can see the difference in the quality of the picture. You know, you know this is someone who's taken it. It's not been a product yeah. picture they've been given. Um, yeah. and it just it immediately makes you think all right this this person is has genuinely reviewed this um you know th- this yeah. should be a review i can really trust um so i think you know, yeah, video, yeah. video is just going to take that to the next level it, as humans we're actually 
amazing at spotting fake pictures and fake reviews. We, we're so quick. Um, I mean, I look sometimes at these Amazon reviews where all the pictures that have been taken are all pretty much the same, and you're like, boom, fake. You know what I mean? And you, you can spot you can spot them as you as you, uh, humans are, are amazing at spotting fake uh, images and fake fake reviews. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I guess a bit more, a bit more personally, do, do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing? Um, yeah, I have a I have a couple. Um, probably my my biggest one is that I hate fake discounts. That's probably my, my one of my you know the the furniture companies and so forth, or some of these online companies that are you know doing these fake or fifty percent off. I hate fake discounts. I, they don't work long term. Is this the and, like the the ever going sale? Yeah, so the fifty yeah, percent sale it, it, that has never ended. And yeah, yeah it's just a, a joke. It's not marketing anymore. That's that that any company that's really doing that right now is dying and it is going to die. So they've got to change. Um, one of the things that I see probably in my space in like startups and, and tech, I see too many CEOs hiding behind their keyboard and their marketing teams instead of getting out in front and actually building a personal brand um, and actually getting out in front of their marketing team. Um, you know, I just see some great CEOs really hiding behind their marketing team instead of leading it almost. Um, and I, I see that as a real big missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, this came up on uh, one of the previous episodes about branding, actually, and how you do see it more now. You know, some of the biggest companies, um, you know, like Amazon, everyone knows who the CEO of Amazon is. Whereas yeah. kind of, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago, you've got massive, uh, you know, listed companies, but the average person wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, um, yeah. I just, I, just some of the new, you know, some of the new startups that are coming through, I just don't see it as much. I, you know, I, don't, I just don't, it annoys me. You can see them wasting so much money on marketing channels, but actually they're, they're not telling a story or their CEO isn't, you know, telling a story of why their brand has any value or what their brand actually stands for. Um, and that's re really going to be really damaging long-term. And, and, and unless you've got a ton of VC money, you, you're going to struggle w without building a, a personal brand and without having a, a really well-crafted story. I, there's a lot of it, a lot of startups out there that really probably have good products, but because they're not, they've not thought about their, customer and they've not thought about the, the story and their, their, their brand um they're, they're really missing an opportunity yeah absolutely and i think apart from you know obviously it takes a bit of time you've got to put some effort in but you know it, it doesn't cost you anything to you know post on linkedin post on twitter you know just and talk about you know what, what your business is going through and stuff and and updates and things and, and just be kind of that that person at the front of your brand yeah, definitely, definitely, and I think they've they've got to take it on. They've got to they've got to move. They've got to move with the times. You know, every startup really needs a, a CEO who has to be in front of the marketing team. Definitely. 
Yeah. Uh, and so just, I, I guess, finally to round up, what's, uh, what do you feel is the most underrated aspect of marketing at the moment? I think the new emerging social media platforms are really underutilized at the minute. Um, I'm not talking about the TikToks, I think, but I'm talking about like the, the, the more niche stuff, like the Reddit channels, the Quora, um, Q&As. And, and I think those more engaging smaller platforms, niche platforms are going to be more and more valuable. Um, and really the, the, the companies have got to actually try and own those channels a little bit more, build, build a customer base up on those channels and interact with their customers on those channels more. It's definitely what we're, we're trying to do. We're doing, trying to do a bit more on Quora, a bit more on Reddit. Uh, we already do a lot on LinkedIn, which is where our customers are, but um very different uh they're difficult some of them are difficult channels though you know linkedin i guess is a bit more i don't know the right word standard i guess you know it's a bit easier yeah. to get on and pe- people expect what you're going to talk about um same yeah, on quora definitely. as long as long as you're answering questions you're doing the right thing i do think reddit yeah. is is one of the toughest sites to crack though from a marketing yeah, point of view. yeah 100 percent. but i think if you're you know, I think you've got to, there's so many people on there. You, you've got to have a go. And if you're, if you're in the space where we are, where we're dealing with, you know, e-coms and, and marketing teams, they're there. That's, you know, they are in the, those areas. So definitely we've ran a, a lot. We had, we ran some marketing in Reddit and it did really well. Um, some lead generation within, within the Reddit platform and it, it performed remarkable so that made us actually start interacting a bit more on there okay yeah that's great i mean yeah you don't hear many stories of brands doing well on there but i think it is because it it requires a much more thought out process um to approach it um because they're you know very savvy community you know they know the moment you try and sell or if you're trying to just promote yourself um, and yeah. it, it does not go down well. No, no, it doesn't. And probably my other probably biggest tip from marketing was is, is build integrations and build integrations with bigger platforms so you're getting visibility within their platforms. So we do a lot of marketing now within the Salesforce platform, within the Shopify platform. Um, and that's worked fantastic. And we go to all of their conferences and do all their events um and kind of we've sort of sort of built off the back of their their marketing almost we've attached ourselves to that though they're those bigger brands and we've found over the probably the past couple of years that, that doing these integrations with these different bigger bigger platforms has worked really really well not just from a technical point of view but actually from a from a marketing point of view like you say, you, the other brands kind of do them, some of the marketing for you, um, help help get your brand out there. But also, even when they're not actively doing it, those people who are on Shopify looking for an app for reviews, for example, you're going to pop up there. Yeah. And if and if you've got a simple integration, you know it's it, it makes life a lot easier and it makes their decision a lot quicker and easier, doesn't it? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Cool. Well, uh, I mean, this has been yeah, really great stuff. Uh, you know, I'm a big, big fan of uh, using reviews and social proof um, and that feedback that comes with it. I, I think it's, it's so valuable and, and really underrated. 
Um, if people want to yeah. get in touch, find out more, what's the best way of doing that? So I do a lot on LinkedIn. I've got a, got a lot of followers on LinkedIn. So I post on LinkedIn every day. Some of it's quite controversial. Some of it's quite mainstream. So I'm Callum McKeefree on LinkedIn. And you can contact me through the site as well uh, on our About Us page. You can click on my name and actually send me straight email. Um, but yeah, if there's, there's any e-coms that need any advice or any marketing teams that need any advice, you know, we, we're not just a hard sell. Um, we're developer heavy, not sales heavy. So if you just need some advice, you know, reach out and, and we'll try and help you best we can. And even if we're not the right platform for you, we'll probably be able to advise you who is um, without you know, getting that hard sell. What we're you know, trying to recommend that startup younger e-coms do is, is don't get sucked into buying products off uh, cold calls, really, or signing long-term contracts. Because as we've seen, the, the world is a, is a fast-moving place. So the, these 12-month contracts can be actually really damaging to your business. So we're, we're trying to advise all startups and e-coms not to be doing that right now to um, go month by month. Yeah, makes sense. Yes, yeah, good advice there. All right, well, thanks, Callum. Lovely, lovely talking to you, Will. As I'm sure you're already aware, you know, trust is becoming ever more important to consumers when they're looking to make purchases, especially as we have seen how easy it can be to manipulate reviews and rankings. So gathering reviews correctly and ethically is something you simply must be doing and getting right. This is one of those things that if you, if you do it wrong and you get caught, it can be devastating for your reputation. But the good thing is you have to be actively doing something dodgy uh, to really get caught out on this. You know, doing it badly to me is simply collecting reviews, putting them on product pages, and that's kind of it. Um, the dodgy stuff is... You know, it could start as incentivizing. It can can be as much as uh, simply getting fake reviews. So don't incentivize, and, and definitely don't get fake reviews. But don't incentivize partly because platforms aren't going to allow it anymore, um, but also because it kind of removes that aspect of trust. You end end up with uh, customers who are willing to review for a, some credit, but you don't have a base of loyal and value customers who really like and trust your brand. So if you're not actively collecting reviews, or if you're not doing something with them, have a think about your strategy around reviews and what you could be doing to get more value from them. It's not as simple as just you know collecting them, putting them next to your products and letting people read them if they want to look at them. Actively push them out there, you know, talk about on you know talk on social media about how much your customers love you. I've previous previously used them in uh, email sequences as well. You know, and, and people love them. There's no selling in the emails, it's simply some reviews uh, and they get some fantastic open and click-through rates. If you want to learn more about reviews, reach out to Callum on LinkedIn or check out reviews.io. And as always, if you've got any questions about the podcast or the episode or reviews or any aspect of marketing, just drop me an email to uh, will at customerswhoclick.com. Next up, I've got Chris Reed, who is going to talk to me about SEO and how you need to be approaching it to be successful with organic search. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Mm-hmm.